Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The hospital explosion in Gaza City underlines just how hard it is to find a conclusive account of events on the ground during the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. Some of the factors at play include few reporters on the ground in Gaza, the duress they're under, misinformation spreading online, and competing narratives coming from Israel, Palestinian sources, the U.S. government, and more. The confusion over who is responsible for that explosion has overshadowed the loss of life and why so many people were there in the first place. We spoke with Chicagoan Dr. Zahir Salul. He's president of MedGlobal, a nonprofit with five doctors working at hospitals right now in Gaza, and he's in close touch with that team. I started off by asking him where he wants the international community to focus its attention. I think everyone understands that uh, the real victims are the civilians. in Gaza right now, the Palestinian civilians, especially the children and the women and the elderly, uh, who are uh, under a lot of stress for the past 10 days or so. Um, most of the people who were killed in Al-Arabi, uh, Al-Ahli hospital, um, were civilians who were there uh, because they felt that the hospitals are safer than their home. Um, the victims, the real victims, are the patients who are um, and not getting treatment because they are not able to get medical supplies into Gaza uh, or medication. Uh, the patients who have trauma, who are pulled from under the rubble, and uh, they are getting uh, operations without anesthesia. Uh, patients with cancer who are not getting chemotherapy, patients with uh, on dialysis who are not getting uh, dialysis because there is not enough uh, dialysis kits. Uh, every person in Gaza who is drinking polluted waters, and there are many cases of intestinal infection, the one million people who were evacuated uh, from the north to the south that doesn't have enough infrastructure or even shelters to accommodate them. Everyone is suffering in Gaza because of the war and because of the blockade, and this has to stop. Uh, the blaming who is responsible for this attack or not will not help. I think what the world has to pay attention more and to focus on is uh, how to get supplies, medical supplies, food and medicine and water and diesel fuel for the electricity for the people in Gaza. What are MedGlobal doctors experiencing right now on the ground? Um, they're completely stressed out because they've been working nonstop for the past uh, 10 days or so, treating the victims of uh, injuries, uh, uh, taking care of their patients, but at the same time trying to make sure that their families are safe uh, uh, dealing with very limited resources, and there are a lot of mental health stress, um, and they're exhausted, but uh, they continue to work. Uh, Dr. Hassam Obasafiya, who is our lead pediatrician um, in uh, North Gaza in Kamal Adwan Hospital, told me that 
He's very exhausted, but he cannot quit. He cannot stop. Um, and he refused to evacuate. Uh, and he said it's impossible for him and his patients in the hospital to evacuate to the south because there's no bed in the south to accommodate his critically ill patients, uh, uh, children on incubators and children on ventilators. Um, and uh, many of them will die during the transportation. And there's no enough mean or ambulances or diesel fuel to transport these large number of patients. Um, but they are, these are the real heroes, the doctors and the nurses in Gaza who continue to work with very limited resources and they're bombing. Some of them lost family members. Uh, two of our staff members lost their family members because of the bombing. Uh, two of them lost their homes also. They, they were bombed. Uh, and uh, they insist that they want to continue helping their community. Mm-hmm. And so that we're all on the same page here. So no med global doctors were at this specific hospital, but they are working where patients were transferred. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, after the bombing of uh, Al-Ma'madani or Al-Ahli Hospital, the same name, um, it's, uh, many of the victims were transported uh, or uh, taken to uh, Kamal Adwan and Al-Shifa Hospital. Um, Dr. Hussam told me that 30 were dead and uh, about uh, 80 they were able to uh, take care of. Many of them had uh, trauma, fractures, uh, bleeding, and they took care of them and they were alive. Um, many of the patients he mentioned had severe burns and also a lot of shrapnel. He said he never seen anything like this in his life. Um, and, wow. uh, yeah, the situation is horrible. Yeah, Al-Ahli Hospital Complex was considered to be one of the few safe places in Gaza City for Gazans who were unable to evacuate south after that evacuation order by the Israeli government. Uh, I do want to play a clip that we have here from a doctor with MSF or, or Doctors Without Borders uh, talking about his experience working at that hospital during the explosion. When I w- drove into the hospital, I noted how full the hospital courtyard was with families who had sought refuge inside the hospital thinking that it would be a safe haven. It's these very same families who are now either dead or critically wounded. So hundreds of uh, civilians injured in the explosion at Ahli Hospital. They, they were transferred to Gaza City's largest hospital, Al-Shifa, uh, which was already full and nearly out of supplies and fuel. How would you say that this explosion affected just the entire healthcare system? I think the healthcare system is near collapse. I've seen the videos of Al Shifa Hospital uh, um, doctors uh, operating on patients who were uh, taken from Al-Ma'madani Hospital, uh, operating on them in the floor of the operating room because there's no enough uh, beds. Um, and m- many of these patients uh, were laying on the floor of the OR, on the hallways, uh, on um, on every place. Uh, I mean, the hospitals are running off space. Uh, they're running actually off space to. Um, to store the, the, the dead bodies. Uh, I mean, doctors told me that there's not enough places to store uh, the, 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 the dead bodies of the victims. Uh, and uh, they are fearful that uh, there will be more pollution because of the decomposing bodies uh, polluting the sources of water, uh, local wells. Um, so um, it's, um, I think uh, it's a very breaking uh, point, uh, the healthcare system in Gaza, because you have only 2,500 beds. Uh, Four hospitals were taken out of service in northern Gaza. Mm -hmm. uh, And now you have this influx of large number of patients from uh, the bombing of Al-Ahli and also the uh, continuous massacres that are happening. Today there was a bombing in Khan Yunis and uh, two dozens of people were killed uh, near uh, Nasser Hospital uh, also. So there's no safe place uh, in Gaza. 
The Israeli military ordered hospitals in, in northern Gaza to evacuate, as we mentioned. It's, it's a move that the World Health Organization condemned. And many doctors are staying and they're refusing to leave their patients. Why are healthcare workers doing that? Why are they staying despite the massive risk? Because it's impossible to uh, evacuate your patients uh, because there's not enough beds. The, the first thing that you need to do if you want to evacuate your patients is to have beds available for them to be treated on the other side uh, in southern Gaza. And there's no beds available. There's only 800 beds in southern Gaza. There's uh, 11 hospitals. Uh, three of them are medium-sized, 250 beds uh, or less. And there is are very small, have 10 beds or 20 beds. And all of these 800 beds are fully occupied. And there's about 17 or 1,800 uh, beds in northern Gaza. Four hospitals were taken out of service. There's already 3,500 uh, injured people in northern Gaza. So you can do the math. Mm-hmm. So if you're an administrator or a physician uh, and you cannot find a bed to your patient, and also you cannot have a mean of transportation. Patients who are critically ill need ambulances. They need life support. They need doctors and nurses to go with them. Uh, even in the most advanced countries like the United States, when we had Hurricane Katrina, we had difficulty transporting patients from a hospital right. to another hospital in Louisiana. So, and people died in the, during the transportation. So this is the issue and the dilemma that uh, Palestinian doctors are facing. Yeah. What would you say to the politicians who are negotiating aid and, and making military decisions? I think uh, everyone, uh, and I appreciate the $100 million that were uh, pledged by President Biden yesterday, but it's not enough. There's already 1 million people who are internally displaced in Gaza. That means each one of them will get uh, worth of $100, which is not enough to do anything, especially in the light of the war. We need more humanitarian aid. We need a sense of urgency to make sure that there's no more bombs, that there is a humanitarian pauses to allow um, uh, humanitarian workers to transport patients, to um, uh, provide medical supplies. Uh, We need uh, push for peace, not push for war. That's what people in Gaza are in need at this point. Uh, And they need uh, prayers also because, uh, you know, a lot of innocent people are dying and a lot of innocent people are are under a lot of stress. And we need our policymakers to, uh, to look at the Palestinian life the same way that we look at any other life and the Israeli life Every person, is, uh, every life is precious and it deserves our attention. Uh, would you say, doctor, that the, the, the doctors there in Gaza, they feel as if their calls for a ceasefire are going unheard? I don't think that uh, we are taking that seriously. I mean, um, I, I, we're listening to what's uh, being said in the media and by our policymakers, by President Biden and uh, Secretary Blinken. It looks like, you know, the messages that, people are getting is that uh, we are pushing for war, not for peace. Uh, people don't need war in that region. It will uh, backfire on all of us. Um, and we've seen that before. When we had wars uh, as a reaction to terrorist acts, it backfired on us. We need to push for solutions for the crisis, not for war. Uh, I'm not talking here as a physician. I'm talking as a person who understands the region and understand what we have done before in Iraq. And also we need to be aware of the uh, perception in that uh, area. Um, Regardless of who blamed what, the perception is that the Israelis are killing innocent civilians uh, in Gaza, children and and women, and causing a huge humanitarian crisis. Um, So I I think this is very important because this war is not only a war of armies, it's a war of perception. 
and information, and we are losing the information war, that will affect our national security for the long term. So I think all of these things that should be taken into account. Instead of uh, sending ships that has arms, we should be sending ships that have hospitals, that has uh, doctors to treat the victims on both sides, but especially now the victims in, 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 uh, in Gaza and Palestine. These people have suffered a lot. They were under siege for 18 years, and they deserve attention. They deserve to treat them as humans, not as only a party of war. So Israel said yesterday that it would allow Egypt to deliver limited quantities of humanitarian aid to Gazans. President Biden has said that that could happen as early as tomorrow. Now, we know there's only one border crossing out of Gaza, not controlled by Israel, and it's called the Rafah crossing, right? It's connected to Egypt. And the Israeli military previously bombed that region, and aid can't reach Gazans until those roads are repaired. So just talk about the impact of that delay and, and remind us what supplies are necessary for Gazans uh, and, and to keep the hospitals running. This border crossing is still uh, closed until this minute. We have a team in Egypt, uh, Med Global, and we have a team in Gaza waiting for the supplies. And our team in Egypt is trying to coordinate with the Egyptian authorities and other NGOs to make sure that supplies end. Um, and there's only 20 trucks waiting to get in. In the last war, major war uh, between Israel and, uh, and Hamas, there were 100 trucks going inside uh, Rafah uh, border crossing every day. So 20 trucks will do nothing. Um, and also there is a huge chaos about who will be doing what and how, how can we coordinate uh, the delivery of medical supplies to the right recipients in Gaza. So this coordination needs uh, a lot of attention. Uh, but we need also to consider other routes of delivery. Uh, one border cross, small border crossing in Rafah is not enough. And I know that our administration is working with other parties in the region to make sure that deliveries of goods, uh, food, water, clean water, diesel fuel for transportation, medicine and medical supplies are secured not only from that border crossing. Everything that can be done to deliver these basic goods that are necessary for the life of people and to prevent further harm and further death um, and morbidity uh, is needed. And as I mentioned, um, everything, yeah. uh, food, medicine, medical supplies, fuel, uh, and clean water. Yeah, and, and to that end, we, we have been focusing on the need for supplies, but what about people, doctor? Is there a need for more health care uh, and more aid workers on the ground? We have a long list of doctors and nurses who are ready to deploy to the region, um, either to the Egyptian side or to inside Gaza to help uh, our Palestinian colleagues who are very exhausted. And as you may imagine, yeah. there, was a, there will be a huge need for surgeons and plastic surgeons, bachelor surgeons, orthopedic surgeons. Yeah. But also there is a need to evacuate some of the patients from Gaza. Uh, so if there's a way to evacuate some of the patients to Gaza, to neighboring countries, that would be great. So hospitals in Gaza, we, we know they're becoming more and more overwhelmed as more people, to your point, are, are injured in this conflict. So leave us with this. What message do you want to leave our listeners with? Um, our communities um, in, the, in Chicago and the United States have been very responsive. There's outpouring of sympathy and empathy with the Palestinian people and also with the victims of terrorism uh, in Israel. Um, we received donations from many uh, uh, people uh, from diverse communities who want to help the people of Gaza. So please, if you want to help, you can donate to mediglobal.org. 
um, if you want to contact your policymakers and tell them that the attention right now is about stopping the war, not starting it, I think that's 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 important message. We need medicine, we need food, we need uh, water to reach the people of Gaza, not bombs and bullets. Zahir Salul is a local physician and the president of MedGlobal, a humanitarian nonprofit providing health care to disaster areas around the world. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you, Sasha. And we should note that MedGlobal is also a financial supporter of WBEZ and is a non-governmental organization. That conversation was produced by Max Lubers and Landon Jones and edited by Dan Tucker and Linnea Dominic. Don't forget, you can find all of Reset's conversations at wbez.org slash reset. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll meet again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.